Welcome into the Section 109 podcast. It's Matthew here at the home of Whiskey and Modelo, and the cats are out in force today. Uh, they're, they're a little wild, so this might be a fun one. Today, I am joined by Alex McGrath and Colin Stripling. Hello. Midfielders, we'll get to that, for <laughs> CFC. Uh, boys, welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Good to be here. Yeah, uh, fantastic to have you guys here. Um, really looking forward to this. Um, let's just go ahead and get started. And Alex, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your soccer journey. Like, how did you, how did you start playing? Like, where you're from? All, all the, all the steps that led you to CFC. Yeah. So I suppose it's been quite a while. Um, obviously, back in England, football. As soon as you can pretty much walk, you're thrown into kicking a ball about. Um, so yeah, as long as I can remember, I've been playing football. Um, not just football though, I always played a few different sports as well, but football was always, well I say football, soccer, Yeah, soccer yeah. for the US listeners, but yeah, pretty much started as a kid, just playing in the street with my mates and a little bit different because back home obviously the system's slightly different to what it is here, um, just grew up playing with my mates on the local team and at school and then... You just sort of work your way up through districts and counties and you sort of represent different areas, which in England there's so many football clubs that you're pretty much inundated with the amount of kids who were, who were playing. Um, from a young age, I started playing at Sunderland, which is a team I support as well. Um, played at Sunderland at their academy, I think from about six years old. So you start that young, from about six till... I'm going to say about 10, I think. I was at Sunderland, so pretty much trained there a few nights a week while I was still playing club football and, and everything like that. And I think I ended up leaving Sunderland. Well, I didn't get it. So how it works at Sunderland, even at that age, you pretty much get either you're staying on or go and find something else. Um, and thankfully for me, because I always played a few different sports, it was never like the end of the world so I wasn't from a kid I was never like just into soccer it was never uh, I always wanted to get into professional sport like that was always my dream whether that would be football or whether that was cricket and at the time it wasn't I didn't really have that just secure path of I'm going to be a professional footballer it was a little bit of everything really and left Sunderland and we're still playing at school in my club, just with my mates, which for me was great because I could enjoy playing football. Yeah, it would have been ideal being at academies and stuff like that. But I always had my, my mates, my other stuff, even outside of sport. Um, so grew up doing that, played my district and county football as I got older. Um, it was around a couple of other academies, but just never really seemed to work out for us, um, which was fine. Again, at the time I had my cricket as well and... It was just one of those where it wasn't always the end of the world. Yeah, I still had those aspirations, but at that time I wasn't really sure where that was going to be. Yep. And just kept playing, kept enjoying my football. Um, then had the opportunity to go to university um, back in England, which, again, the soccer and the cricket, the level I'd played at, it helped me a little bit with that. Thankfully, managed to go to a, a good university, which when I was a little kid, like... Never thought I'd even go to college, yeah. which 
really worked out for me and things just seemed to happen that way. And then in England, we only do three years at university. So I played my three years and it just so happened that the coach who I was with back home called Chris Moore, um, he'd been out of the US as well when he was younger and he just recommended it. And it was one of those that it, everything seemed to happen pretty quickly. It was quite last minute me coming to the US. Like I thought, oh, that sounds pretty good. It'd be a good opportunity to continue school again. Like I had the chance to do a master's, which I, I couldn't believe I was doing, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. It just seemed to work out. Um, came here to... I, I'd been to the US once. I'd been down to Florida when I was a little kid. Classic England. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty much all I knew. And I'd never been to, to North Carolina and I committed to a school called Appalachian State, Upstate. Yeah. Did my two-year master's there. Um, I got really lucky, to be honest, because I just turned up one day in, in the mountains in Boone and it was a beautiful place and I was pretty taken aback, like, sort of how lucky I was because I travelled to a couple of places after that just in the middle of nowhere yeah like, God, <laughs> thank thank the Lord I didn't end up here but now I did two years I mean the foot the football was decent um we had a couple of ups and downs we had a decent team but just things didn't we, we did well enough like the two seasons I was there was probably the best couple of seasons we've had in a while like we had some really good lads and some good players and then from there I just sort of made that commitment as soon as I left England, it was, right, I'm going to give soccer a go and had to leave the cricket and everything else behind. Uh, obviously, some listeners probably don't really know what cricket is. but We talk about cricket on more than you think on this yeah, podcast. Right, so well, that, That's that's good to know. So similar to baseball, how it was, obviously playing the two sports and left that behind and thought, look, I'll just give soccer a go and see what happens. And the US, I think, provides a couple of different opportunities well slightly different opportunities to get yourself into the game yeah which for me it worked out um but it still took a while even when i came to the u.s so i did my two years at app state um graduated in 2020 which middle of covid um for me being an international it was pretty difficult for oh, yeah. teams because i'd been to a, a few tryouts here um done well like couldn't have really done much more to be honest and it always came back to well we don't have the money for these international spots and which is uh, i understand from a club's point of view but as a player it's frustrating when you think well i could do a job here yeah um so did that graduate 2020 and i actually that from the summer 2020 as soon as i graduated and pretty much until i signed my first contract I was just working construction up in Boone. Okay. Which I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that because uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was in line with me visa stuff, but it was fine. Like I was still coaching and involved in my, my degree. and But that was just a way to, to make, make ends meet. And I was lucky really because I had a good landlord who set me up really with that, that uh, job. Yeah. And I'd done little bits in the past, but obviously I was completely different from what, I came here to do right um really enjoyed it obviously a lot of hard work and met some really good people through that and then same thing came around again towards the end of the COVID year had these tryouts and it was going to different clubs and doing well but still well, well we're waiting to see about these international spots our re listeners may uh may not know this but you actually tried out here at CFC yeah uh back in January 2021 mm-hmm and, and I remember that because we liked you a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I don't. I think at the time we didn't even know if Nisa was going to do yeah. like the international amateur thing. Yeah, and, and, we, and that was a thing, especially with Nisa. You, you, you know just never know. Yeah, so you, you don't really know what's happening there. And even in the championship, like the international spots were always limited. Um, yeah. And financially, it's a tough thing. So it was up in the air a little bit, but thankfully didn't work out at a couple of places. And I ended up going to that Stumptown yeah. open tryout. It was just one of those where... I was sort of sick of going to these tryouts because I was like, well, I've, I've been doing well and things are not really happening, which I was never going to give up, but it still gets to a point where you think, well... You wouldn't have would gone to that tryout if it wasn't just down the road in Charlotte. Yeah, I wouldn't have. And I wasn't even going to go, to be honest. And I was just like, what wow. the heck's this Stumptown team? Like, just the name <laughs> itself, I was like, doesn't sound that legitimate. So, But luckily I went and met Rod there for the first time and... Thankfully, we were able to get something sorted visa-wise, um, which was difficult at the time. And um, yeah, that pretty much opened the door just to, to get into the game, really. And yeah, it was through a strange setup in Stumptown. But for me, it was it was a stepping stone. And it's a foot in the door. Yeah, that, exactly. that first club is sometimes all it, yeah. all it takes. Exactly, and especially going through that year of not really knowing what I was going to do and am I going to stay in the game, am I going to follow construction, am I go- who knows what I was going to do, but obviously deep down I always wanted to yeah. try and achieve that. Um, so I did well, thankfully at Stumptown. Had a couple of injuries which set us back a little bit. Um, so I missed quite a few games last season. Yeah. But thankfully did enough and Rod seemed to like us, and which... That helps as well in terms of in in whether that's in the US or the UK, if you sort of start building that network yeah. of coaches and, and people you just know in the game, it, it definitely makes a difference. And then, yeah, found out that Rod was coming to Chattanooga and he was pretty keen to to get me here. There was still a few things I had to wait on and it, it seemed to work out and here we are. Yeah. Sorry if I, 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 th- I think it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah. Uh, before we turn to Colin... Where where in England are you from? Are you from Sunderland or? So I'm from the northeast, so pretty close to Sunderland. It's a little town called Spennymoor. Okay. Um, my mates will probably listen a little bit, but <laughs> just a little like mining town. Okay. Which the most of the northeast is. Yeah. Um, so Chattanooga is a bit different to how it is back there. Obviously, I, I miss it quite a bit, like friends and family and stuff like that, but. It's still, it's it's definitely better here. Yeah. <laughs> what about the weather? Yeah, oh, the weather. I don't miss that. So. <laughs> All right, uh, Colin, kind of same same question to you. Tell, tell us a little bit about your soccer journey, how you got started. Uh, it's been it's been quite a road. Um, I started the game at playing club ball for PDA and um, having aspirations of playing for my high school team. So, where, uh, where are you from? Uh, North Jersey, Scotch Plains. Um, big Jersey contention on this roster. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was, um, was playing for a PDA. Uh, like I said, wanted to play the high school route. It was a big high school group four school. So, uh, it was a, it was a great way for all of our, all of my friends to put on the same Jersey and lace up and play rivaling towns and everything so it was something that I always wanted to do and growing up I was always a ball boy for those kids <laughs> so I always wanted to put on the jersey um, but for uh, club soccer you weren't able to there was like a, a tie where if you played academy you weren't able to do high school so I went with the club route and 
I wasn't really focused on what soccer could provide an opportunity. I was just taking it as more of something that I enjoy a lot. I, I'm, I'm decent at it, and I want to see how I can keep continuing working on a craft, I guess, at that point at an early age, which was good. Um, it was to the point where I had my, my club coach, John Murphy, he, at the time, this is just an example, I was just not in tune with email or what soccer could provide, and he was like, have you been checking your emails? I was like, for what, why? And he's like, I'm trying to get you to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, I got coaches in your email trying to, trying to get in touch with you. So um, it kind of put me on to the other side of it, of what opportunities are out there. And um, I was able to go to Monmouth University with some scholarship and been able to, with playing, increase that scholarship and have my parents there to watch me play. It was only in the Jersey Shore, so about a 40-minute drive to watch me play my home games. Um, picked up uh, injury, so I was red-shirted my sophomore year, so it gave me an extra half year to extend my education and play four and a half years of so it was good. It was good. Um, but yeah, out of out of university, I did. I spent my summers trying to uh, get introduced to the pro game by doing PDL with Red Bull and Seattle Sounders. Um, what year with you were, were you with Seattle? In summer of seventeen. Okay, so not the year that they came out here to play us. No, that was eight, that was two thousand eighteen. Yeah, exactly. And. Um, so I was a bit unfortunate, actually, when I went out to Seattle. I spent the summer living there, and I ended up uh, uh, tearing my groin and having to uh, overcome injury and get ready for my last last go at it with uh, Monmouth University for my redshirted year. Um, so it was a bit tough, and we didn't have the best season that year. Um, I was looked at to try to be one of the more important players on the team, and I wasn't playing at full full ability, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, still coming back from injury. So it kind of stunted my introduction into the pro game after school. Um, I was fortunate to get a degree and finish that. So um, that was one thing that I, I wanted to do for myself. But like I said, going out of school, trying to pick up a roster spot, it uh, going to multiple different trials, it, it was tough. Um, I spent a whole year out of the game competitively to just, I, I was fortunate to pick up a coaching job and staying sharp on my own and having my parents being able to help me provide. And yeah, so I was fortunate in that sense. And um, there was an opportunity that presented itself called Soccer Visa. Um, it was a open tryout in Connecticut and I remember I was like at the point where do I do I invest do I invest any more of my time and my money to be putting myself up in a place to pretty much just put myself out there to see if it sticks and see if someone's interested. And yeah. So I remember that weekend very well. There was eleven hundred people that went to this open <laughs> tryout. Eleven hundred people and it was over a course of a weekend where it could have been five minutes of someone's time and the way they needed to wave kids out to find kids that are actually at the level. It was maybe a few touches. Like I said, five minutes of someone being on the field and it's like, oh, thank you, shake your hand. Um, we're not interested. 
Wow. So it was pretty cut and dry there. And out of those 1,100 kids, I was one of three that got a pro trial in Portugal. So um, went for the January transfer overseas. Um, spent two and a half weeks there trying to impress coaches at a third division club in Portugal. It was in Kashkai, Portugal. Um, so it just didn't make sense with the club at the time. It was this January transfer. I was an international spot. I wasn't going to be on wages that would have been something worth my while. I mean, at the time, I was thinking, I don't care. I'll play for anything. But um, in hindsight, it's probably better than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't end up working out that way. Uh, so I flew back home, uh, spent two days in Jersey trying to just get accustomed to the time zone again. And then from those two days, I went out and had an opportunity for an open trial with the Phoenix Rising. Yeah. Um, I, I showed well. I got in and made an impression on the first team coach with Phoenix, but they have a budget where it didn't make sense for me. So at the time, they were affiliated with two, uh, FC Tucson. Yeah. And um, it was actually funny the way you don't want to burn bridges or just – the relationships you have with people it's I had a my coach at the time in Seattle got the head coaching job for FC Tucson Darren Swatsky right Darren Swatsky he's now at Richmond yeah exactly he's now at Richmond Gaffer and so we knew each other prior and he took me on board for the season and it was like Alex was saying it was my foot in the door to the pro game and it was something I was chasing for it was a, over a year's time after graduating so it was um, it was a big accomplishment for me. I was super excited, and from there, I I then signed with Greenville Triumph during the 2020 season. Um, we had a COVID year, so it was only a 16 game campaign, and um, we ended up not even playing in the final because uh, Union Omaha they won their semifinal to play us. And got COVID, all, as I recall. And they all got COVID. I think <laughs> I had some buddies on the team. They were saying that they were celebrating the win, and I just think that was uh, not the right time for that. <laughs> Everything's timing. Everything is yeah. timing. So that's what I'm realizing. And um, so ended up winning League One, and I was thinking that, great, well, now maybe I um, this will open more opportunities for me, more, open more doors. And um, I was I was wrong. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have any opportunity uh, after that. Uh, uh, I wasn't having any clubs interested, and it was it was pretty tough because I felt like I had the quality. I felt like I worked hard in the 2020 year to try to um, give someone a reason to take a chance on me, bet on me. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't come. So I, at the time, my parents were in the process of moving out of New Jersey because it was just ridiculous with. A, both their kids finished their schooling. They didn't need to be there anymore. So yeah. They were finding a new nest, and that new nest was in Delaware. Um, so they were having plans to build a home. So after the season, the, the, the home wasn't built yet, so we were kind of just airbnb from different rentals, different rentals. And uh, so it was kind of tough. It was like living out of a suitcase for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then on the added pressure of not being able to find a club that I knew I can, I can add value to. And um, so that was frustrating. I had to then get, find work, you know. So 
doing some various jobs, but then um, I wanted to then think that, all right, if soccer isn't the move anymore, then I'll just utilize my degree that I spent time on and hard work on. And uh, it was funny. I, nothing was sticking for me. I couldn't find anything. So I felt real. I was in a, I was in a dark place. Um, so I actually found a interview process with a, a financial advising firm in Manhattan. And there was a third round interview um, on a Thursday. And I was like, brilliant. Let's do it. I'm excited. New part of my life. Um, one door closes, another one opens. And um, so I worked hard to get that interview. Um, and then preparing for the week, it was a Saturday, I won't forget it. I'm on the beach in Delaware. I'm hanging out with some of my buddies. And I get a phone call from my agent. And he's like, I have an opportunity available. I think it'd be good for you. Do you can you be in Charlotte on Monday? And I was like, <laughs> I don't have any opportunity. And now this one week of time, I have to make a decision. Yeah. Um, I had a long talk with my dad, my mom, the two people that support me the most. And they were like, do it. Follow your dream. Go to Charlotte. See what it's like. The worst thing is try to reach back out to the company, see if you can have your third round meeting the following week. So I did. Came to Charlotte. Got introduced to Alex. Got introduced to a bunch of the other players on the team. My introduction with Coach Rod, um, and it was everything. I, it, it gave me this realization that everything happens for a reason. I was I was supposed to be here. Um, so the relationship I built with Rod over the last fall season in Nisa with Stumptown, it it gave me a a new hope on what what the pro game can be and feeling valued under under a coach that believes in me. Yeah. So it, it, it was all there, – there was a reason behind everything that happened, and I was, like I was saying, in a, in a pretty dark place, but I found light at the end of the tunnel, and um, now I'm here in Chattanooga because of the relationship I established with Rod in, in Charlotte, and I couldn't be happier being here. Well, we're, uh, we're definitely happy to have you here. Uh, and I want to point out that to make clear for the listeners that you joined for the fall season. You were not in Stump Down for the, the first part of the season. Correct. That, that first part of the season was me trying to – was me out of the game. So it allowed me to, I guess, take these moments now with that much more of appreciation because I, I saw the other side. I saw what it's like to not put, put in boots on every day and – and playing a game that we all love that we're talking about right now. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned family earlier. Do you have any siblings? I have an older brother. An older brother? Yes. How how much older? He's thirty, so just over four years. Okay. Thirty one. Alex, what about you? I'm actually an only child. Only child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and now you have a you have a family of your own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I was at Upstate. Um, I met my now fiance. Um, we're sort of visa wise. We yeah on paper it's official, but we were actually having the wedding ceremony on the third of December this year. Nice. Okay. So got really lucky again with Upstate and meeting my future wife, which couldn't really ask Positive. for much more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so which it, it helps a lot as well because obviously I've got a small family back in England. Yeah. Anyway, so it's 
it's really nice to have people here who are now family. Um, for me, it's a little bit easier with having teammates who I spend every day with and we're actually living apart at the moment, um, only for a short period, but it's been a little bit difficult, um, I think more so for her with not being in a team environment every day. I think yeah. it's easier for me to keep my mind off it, but no, thankfully plans to change that after the wedding and yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Love that. Uh, now let's ask one more question and then we'll go into some a uh, little bit different stuff. What number do you wear and why? Uh, I think he's a midfielder. Yeah, right. I wear number <laughs> eight because I was anticipating playing midfield. But um, yeah, I wear number eight because I just think it's a wavy number, honestly. Um, Frank Lampard, he's, I'm, I'm a big Chelsea supporter. And growing up, uh, watching Frank Lampard, he scored the most goals in the Prem as a midfielder. I was just the late run, the late entry into the box. I thought you scored some, some goals last year. Yeah, uh, well, the goals I scored last year were from set pieces. I know Chris Nugent will like uh, <laughs> mention that. Um, but yeah, I just I I attached myself to number eight. I always wore my youth career number eleven. Um, that was that was my favorite number growing up. And uh, but now in the pro game, I've worn fourteen. Um, I've worn sixteen, and now I figured I'd give eight a chance. Love it, Alex. What about you? Um, well, 33 for me. Uh, growing up, my favourite Sunderland player was a guy called Julio Arca, and he wore 33, and that's pretty much my hero as a kid. Big so, number. yeah, last year it was a bit, I had seven last year, but I think it was a bit of a random pick, which was fine with me. <laughs> but this year, I just, I've always liked 33. It's always been my number, and it was available, so why not? I, I'm a big fan. Uh, listeners will know this, and I don't know if you guys do, uh, but I am a huge fan of fun numbers. Uh, so you picking eight because you were going to be a midfielder, like bad reasoning for me. <laughs> uh, like you should have kept with something fun. Now, because you play center back now, eight o'clock, or eight's fine with me. That's good. Cool. 33 is always good. Uh, I, hate, I hate it when you've got you know, positions one through 11. Yeah. And I, it really irks me when, when you're wearing that number in that position. So what number would you wear? Uh, depends. So like I'm a, I, I've actually tried out for CFC three different times, uh, like going to the open tryouts. Uh, right. And it went exactly as you might think it would go, <laughs> with the exception of somehow scoring a goal each time. Uh, so, so I consider myself a nine. Okay. Uh, I would wear anything but nine. Okay. Like give me two, give me three. Like that's fun. Or you're the front line. Yeah, yeah. Just give me something. Just give me something different, uh, and 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 we'll go. We'll go with it. I think I've got a jersey. I've got a forty-four uh, CFC jersey uh, that I that I put a number on one one year, and uh, that I, I might might do that if I got the chance to to play. Strong number. Yeah, gonna, gonna be something fun, memorable. Um, okay, let's let's back up out of here. Um, so you guys have both obviously been to Chattanooga before starting this season what were your first impressions when you visited for the first time do you remember um first impressions of chattanooga so for me it was on a friday and it was during nightfall i think that's the yeah event it's called during the yeah. summers and um i thought that was brilliant honestly seeing all the the bikes pull up all the old cars some of the vets um and just all the games, and it, it felt, it felt like a, 
just like a nice place to be if it would there was just this this buzz about it that i wasn't actually anticipating because of being in the south the southern belt i was thinking that it'd be more just less people and it was great to see this uh this buzz and this busy around chattanooga when i like i said wasn't anticipating it so i thought that was very nice to see it felt welcoming it felt something that like i uh was used to so that was my first impression i had a i had some greek food i was telling you about this i had some greek food the first night i came here um and it was good so very pleasantly surprised with uh, my first uh, introduction to Chattanooga and then also walking past Finley Stadium. That was uh, pretty impressive. I was like, all right, this is... What about when you when you moved here for ahead of preseason? Um, like getting actually, you know, taking a few weeks to, to get to know the city a little bit more actually being here. Well, I had a taste of what it's like in Greenville and I immediately related Chattanooga to Greenville. Um, I do find myself more interested and more busy here in Chattanooga. That's not to say that when I was the time I was living in Greenville, it was during COVID. So yeah, I really was just training pitch my apartment, training pitch my apartment. But here, I'm able to uh, check out the waterfront, go check out um, just some a lookouts game. Um, also, having Atlanta not far, yeah, getting trips there. Um, I've yet to get to Nashville yet, but um, yeah, I'm very, very, very pleased with how uh, I've been settling into Chattanooga and how welcoming everything has been. Alex, what about you? Uh, for me, when I first came, I, I really liked it. I was only here for the weekend for that first trial. Um, came with Taylor, my fiance, and we loved it, to be honest, even though we only spent a short amount of time there. We were down like North Shore where the river walk is and to be honest, I was hoping that something would work out here just because it seemed like a pretty nice place. And to me, like Colin said, it, it reminded me, it was almost like a bigger version of Boone, still in the mountains a little bit, but not quite as big as Charlotte, which yeah. I think suited me a little bit better. And then coming here, like the first few weeks, uh, I mean, I still obviously enjoy it a lot now, but first few yeah. weeks, it was it was really good. I remember me and Colin were always talking about how much of an upgrade it was and <laughs> everything like that, which it, it makes a big difference. And yeah, yeah so I, I really still like it a lot and always had good first impressions as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys miss most about home in the off season? For me, it's the food. Honestly, I'm, I'm such a foodie. So being from that New Jersey metropolitan area, having good Chinese food, morning bagels, pork roll, egg and cheese, just, just the food, the cuisine. I don't know. I uh, I'm missing that a little bit. I suppose I've got a couple like from home back in England. Yeah, obviously, my mates and my family are the biggest one. Um, stereotype, maybe some fish and chips as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I do miss so some good sushi around here. Yeah, so I, I miss that a lot and being able to spend time with friends and stuff and I think here not even in the off season but during the season at the moment um Taylor lives back in Winston-Salem and when we're back there in the summer there's actually a racetrack called Bowman Greer which is like a redneck racing <laughs> like, uh, it's like a mini NASCAR track okay and it's every Saturday so Brilliant. last year when I was injured pretty much every weekend we would go back there and it's it's just I love it <laughs> um, <laughs> 
a guy called Bert Myers. I've actually uh, got a Bert Myers T-shirt. <laughs> so Taylor introduced me to that and just absolutely love it. So that's one thing I miss. And obviously, we have a, a family dog as well in North Carolina. Yeah, Ivy. So miss her as well. Yeah, I feel like I need. I just only said food. I feel like I need to mention my loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss them. Yeah, and uh, uh, recently just got my mom a little French bulldog, and um, that's cute. Missing him a load as well. So. Yeah. Um, what would you be? And this can be aspirational. What would you be if you were not a pro soccer player? Uh, for me, I think back home I'd. I'd always wanted to be a cricketer as well. Um, luckily with cricket, I got to travel the world quite a bit when I was younger, which was great that I was able to get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, so cricketer, definitely, and quite into my music stuff as well. So he's anything music-related, like DJing and stuff like yeah, that, a bit, bit of everything. So Now, have you and you and Richard ever like gone out to the park and taken a, taken a bat and a cricket ball and... No, tried to get some tried to get some guys together to you know teach the game to you. We've I've talked about it, but the funny thing is when I first ever met Rich and I found out he was Jamaican, I actually I was asking him about cricket because uh, back when I was younger we had a club professional who was also from Jamaica, and I'd actually played in Barbados as well, so another Caribbean island, which I think that instantly gave us a little bit of a mutual connection that we both grew up playing cricket. And yeah. So we've talked about it, to be fair, but it's yet to happen. Um, need a need one of those like off uh, off Saturdays to to be a little <laughs> little team bonding cricket day. Yeah, I think lads would struggle keeping the arms straight. Everyone <laughs> would be throwing it like a baseball. I think, but I would. My hand eye coordination is pretty pretty <laughs> miserable. <laughs> That'd be a good laugh, though. Colin, <laughs> what about you? For me, uh, just my competitive nature. I'd probably still try to remain in sport. I love playing golf so i'd try to be great to be on tour playing professional golf um traveling the world seeing the world playing golf but i'm pretty fortunate i'm able to be doing that playing soccer um but if not sport then i don't know business probably i would like to um i'm really interested in real estate okay so um maybe acquiring managing different properties different places of the world. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, shifting gears, jean jackets, yay or nay? In the, in the fall, I'll say yay. All right. I would say it depends on the person. <laughs> if you can, uh, if yeah, you, if can you can pull can off that it, look. If you can sport it. Yeah, yay. why not? But if you can't, probably leave keep, it at keep, home. Have you ever keep tried it, it before? <sighs> Maybe back in the day. <laughs> But I don't own one at the moment. That's that's about it. Yes. You own one? Yes, and I'll probably sport it in the fall. <laughs> what's it What's it called? The Canadian tuxedo? Yeah. W- would you ever do double denim? The c- yeah, I can't do the double denim. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a different move. I don't know. I can't do that look. I don't know. I'd probably fit in at the racetrack if I turned up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Big belt buckle. But you'd have to cut the sleeves off the jean jacket. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trump hat as well, something like that. <laughs> in, in that part of North Carolina, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, what about, do you, either you guys drink coffee? Yes, I do. I drink, Colin drinks more than me, but I drink coffee. I had one today, actually, so. Yeah, so what, what, what's the, what's like the coffee to tea ratio for you? More tea, definitely. I think 
I just prefer the amount of caffeine in tea. Sometimes coffee, like if I'm trying to get something done, helps us. Um, but tea, don't drink as much as Chris, the assistant <laughs> coach. He's just inhales. Like, like a one an hour kind yeah. of guy. Oh, ridiculous. Like, tea in his hand, yeah. Yeah, but I, I limit myself one cup of tea a day, typically on a morning. How do you take your tea? Milk and sugar. He makes a good brew. Yeah, Colin's tested it out. Yeah, it's so. a good batch. What about, uh, what about you and coffee, Colin? How do you take it? I just take it black, drip coffee. Um, as, as the good Lord intended. Yeah, it's, it's delicious. Um, I'll, uh, over the weekends, I might spoil myself a little bit with um, maybe a caramel iced coffee or something <laughs> like that. More of a dessert, a little treat, but I'm in every morning kind of just drip coffee. Yeah, love that. I'm uh, real into... Um, what, your Nespresso? Yeah, my Nespresso yeah. machine. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. It's, yeah. uh, it's funny, though, because... Um, we have like a Nutribullet, do you know, with the, um, like the big <laughs> plastic mugs that you put on top of the Nutribullet. Like oh, yeah, yeah. But coffee, coffee. Colin uses that to put his coffee in on a morning, so he'll put his Nespresso on and then run it through twice. So he's got about a gallon of coffee <laughs> on the way to training. Which I love that. I think if I had a gallon of coffee, I wouldn't sleep for about two weeks. You guys you guys can see my coffee maker over there. It's like one of those like standard ones. Yeah, uh, routinely... Between thirty and forty ounces is how uh, is how much how much coffee I go through in the morning. Yeah, more coffee the better. I just, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I try and I try and avoid it a little bit to be honest because I know if I keep drinking it, I'll just get addicted to it. <laughs> so I'm trying I'm to pass that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to ask the the most controversial question on this podcast: pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? I'm going nay, my guy. Personally, I wouldn't get it. Like, I, I would never order it. But I've had it in the past, and I don't mind it. Like, I'm not that picky to um, wouldn't eat it. If there's pizza there, it's probably going to get eaten. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but no, I, personally, I wouldn't Does order Does pineapple it. belong on pizza? It's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say no, because I wouldn't get it. Boom. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, that, that, is a, that is a two for two split. Um, to me, me and, and another another podcast host uh, very much hate the idea, and the other two very much love it. I so I, I am I am happy for for a three zero on the on this one today. I can't say I I hate it because I don't care too much about it to say that I hate it. <laughs> That's fair. I hate it, but <laughs> I'll I'll take your I'll take your no vote and and we'll run up the score a little bit today. Uh, speaking of pizza, what is like y'all's favorite kind of pizza? Um, I quite like a barbecue chicken. Um, I've got a bit of a sweeter tooth, I think. So barbecue chicken with either onions and I like mushrooms on a pizza as well. Okay, we're just gonna I'm just gonna turn my face now. <laughs> <laughs> mushrooms on a pizza is good. Yeah. Um, I just growing up, I I um I was pretty spoiled with pizza. So there was this uh, Italian village uh, place, the town over where I grew up. And uh, me and my boys, we would we would frequent it often. Excuse me. And um, there was this white pie, buffalo chicken pizza, and the way they dressed it up with the ranch, the buffalo sauce, the breaded chicken, it was it was top tier. So haven't been able to find anything of a buffalo chicken that's come close to that. So I avoid ordering buffalo chicken yeah, now. Yeah. If you know what I mean. So I'll do. Uh, I like a thin, a 
thin pie with uh, pepperoni, jalapeno, and uh, thin crust. Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite pizza spot in town? Have not. You have any to recommend? Uh, so there's there's Pizza Bros right down the. Uh, they do make a good pie. They've got that Southside location by the stadium, mm-hmm. or like you know, kind of across the street from the stadium, and then there's also the the North Shore location. Yeah, we're closer there. Just down, yeah. just down been, the road from here. North Shore one. It was pretty decent. Yeah, good pizza. Yeah, pretty decent. Um, I'm not too picky with pizzas. <laughs> no with it. Uh, so. There's also further down Main Street, kind of away from, starting to go away from downtown. There's a place called Southside Pizza, okay. uh, which also highly recommend. Um, yeah. Uh, also, you know, there's Pizza Cortile, which I had for the first time uh, last weekend. Uh, further down. Uh, Dayton Boulevard into Red Bank, and what would you rate it? One bite, everyone knows the rules. I mean, it was it was pretty good. It's not my favorite okay. in in town, but it was. I think mean, it's wood fired, like uh, or brick oven pizza. Yeah, like it's great. it's good. Um, it's there, there's there's a lot of pretty decent pizza here. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if it if if it can rise to the level of like what you what you grew up with <laughs> in in North Jersey. So no, I mean. Uh, like I said, I missed the food home, but I'll have to try some of the recommendations you have. Yeah. Uh, what about what about seltzer versus beer? I would definitely say beer. To yeah. be honest, I mean, seltzers just taste like sparkling water, which I'm not a fan of. So um, for me, I'm a big fan of sparkling water. I love soda water. I prefer it over just because it's it's a healthy option, right? I can get a switch up from soda but don't have the sugars and stuff but yeah when it comes to the hard seltzers i am not a fan of them yeah same, so same for me i'm always always just down for a beer instead okay okay i respect that yeah. uh i i am one of those people that will drink both and have no problem doing it my fridge probably has way more seltzer in it than it does beer uh but like seltzer even for people that don't necessarily like seltzer it has its place mm-hmm. yeah. like poolside on the lake something like that we need to be able cold. to drink a few of them and you know still be coherent if yeah it's, if it's cold do you have a, a brand you're loyal to for the seltzers uh probably i order i buy more truly than anything else truly? uh i'm a big i'm a big truly black cherry okay kind of guy yeah okay um yeah love it okay how about this in the last year what's the best purchase you've made of like a hundred dollars or less. Like, is there is there anything that stands out? Like a new pair of head headphones, if maybe not new pair. Some of those nice headphones are, are pretty expensive, but uh, like a journal, if you, that's something you do, or a shaving kit, or uh, you know something something along those lines. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. I'm gonna have to think about yeah, that. I'm having to bit. give that some thought. It's okay if nothing comes to mind. Yeah, nothing's really coming to mind. I don't really... Well, most of my purchases are just food. I kind of... Hmm. It's all right. We don't have to worry about that one. I think I actually got a... Uh, that's it. I got some studio monitor stand from Guitar Center, actually. Okay. So I have my little studio set up in my room, and that definitely, I think, completes the set. Yeah, it's proper. Yeah. All right. All right. I like that. We can work with that. Um, it's interesting to hear, hear guys' opinions on this question. 
uh, and, and some of the, the women we've interviewed, um, what percentage of the game football is mental and what percentage of the game is physical in each of your opinions? Do you want to go first? Or? Um, I, would, I would probably say physical is in technical and um, physical I'd probably say I'd probably say around 70% because ultimately you need to have that foundation technically don't get me wrong I don't I'm not playing down how big the mental aspect is because it, it is massive but I would probably say I'd say 70-30 because yeah. if, you, if you don't have that technical foundation which you can always build on but I think that's so important especially with soccer that yeah you need to be able to read the game well that makes up well that so you could have two different players same physical ability if one is mentally 10% better they're going to be a much better player yeah so I think it, it's small margins but without that physical foundation it's really mentally you'd have to be miles ahead to to even have a chance i was thinking like 60 40 okay. so 70 30 is good too um like what you're saying i mean for soccer it's hard to see as just a spectator but everything about it is such just the little details right mm -hmm. and if you have someone that can not really have to think about his technique but can think about because he trusts his technique he or she trusted the technique that they know they can receive a ball and play in two touch, but if they're thinking faster than the other opponent, they're gonna you're gonna see that they're miles ahead, right? Um, so I'd say like sixty forty. Okay. Uh, both of you guys had uh, playing for Stumptown last year, playing for Coach Rod. You've have a little bit more uh, experience in in this for for this question than than some of the the players that have never played for him before this season. What's it like to play for him? Like, what are, what are the training sessions like? Uh, do you enjoy them? Do they challenge you? Like, what kind of stuff? Yeah, we're being challenged every day. Um, it's great because uh, it's, it's football that you need to be brave to play. It's, uh, it's possession-based. It's positional possession-based. Um, so you have to the ball connects us and you have to trust that the ball is going to connect the 11 players on the field. And it's, it's a process that you have to buy into. And if you don't buy in, it's, it's glaring for the people around you. So, um, that was, that's probably the main thing I, I'd probably have to address about it. Yeah. I think for me as well, the fact that it is possession based and we're doing possession pretty much every day of the week, like it, it's all, game specific like yeah there's a time and place for for manic and passing well i'm not maybe there is <laughs> there's a time and place in the career for that um but the fact that it is possession every single day like you're getting plenty of touches on the ball especially as a midfielder like you always feel like you are improving where sometimes going from teams a little bit in the past where possession's almost like a treat oh we're doing possession today like unbelievable but Every day we're doing it. Yeah, it has different reasons. It's not just five, five v five every single day. Like there's a reason why we do it all, and it's competitive. And I'd say it, it's pretty tough, like yeah. physically. Yeah. So 
everyone works hard and I think that's the best way to get your match fitness though because in the past I think if you're just doing fitness tests and there's still there's still a place for fitness tests maybe in pre-season to a certain extent making sure you show up not just to get a baseline yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think that type of thing is good but realistically if you if you also add into your match fitness from training uh, you can't really ask for much more yeah you get your match fitness on a weekend but if you can be preparing for that during the week to the point where you're not fatigued right because it's a you have to find the balance um which i think maybe for some of the lads who didn't experience it as much last year depending on how the coaching style was and obviously me and Cole had already had a little bit of time doing that it was maybe a little bit harder to adjust but no now i mean the trainings are the standards are always good and yeah there's good days and bad days like any job but but it's the repetition um yeah. it's it's so when we get to the weekend it's it's not we're we're not changing our identity because of the other team it's the belief of we do this every day uh, it's uh it's the repetition of just like how as a young player, you want to get your left foot better, you're going to hit the ball against the wall with your left foot 50 times a day to improve your left foot. For us, it's the repetition of being in our our possession-based style and moving the ball in two, fast pace and high ball speed. And it's <laughs> leaps and bounds of how, how much better uh, it's it has looked and how we've been progressing from – like Alex was saying, from the preseason to being at the midway point now. Yeah, because I think it's also a little bit of everything. So, yes, it's possession-based. That's the main foundation. But knowing that if we need to go in behind, play a couple of longer balls, like that's that's all right as well. Because at the end of the day, if you're just possession-based, teams can figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah. So I think still having that foundation, but being able to do a little bit of everything, yeah. uh, you need that because you, if you're just solely possession, the level has to be so high every single week, which it would be difficult. Even yeah, even at this level, it, it would still be difficult. So I think just making sure that we always have other options as well makes a big difference. So tell me, tell me about how you guys, when when you get to the off season, what's your what's your kind of like off season plan? Do you how do you stay? You, you obviously you don't want to be you know match fit throughout the off season, but how do you how do you stay fit enough uh, and then ready to like rear back into a preseason? Uh, for me, I'll spend I'll spend off season in I'll go back home, I'll see my parents, and then I'll also go back to New Jersey and see all my friends there. Um, and yeah, I just try to stay on the ball as much as possible. I, I kind of wean down um, as intense of lifting and cardio aspects. I'll, I'll the cardio that I do is is more of um, little tests. It's not nothing so grueling because the season's long. Ten months is long. You you truly have to use the off season as a, a rejuvenating process. And um, but like you said, finding that balance of still remaining sharp throughout the whole year um, because it's important to come back in in February being ready to hit the ground running and it's not um, being at the point where uh, I'm a little upset with myself because I knew I didn't push myself enough or yeah. I, I 
peep the level, the gaps closed on the person that wants to take my shirt, right? So you always have to be ready, and every time you lace up in the pro game, it's it's as intense as you you have to be intense as you as you possibly can produce, and so I I try to just manage it and be honest with my body in that sense. Do you try to do more more stuff on the ball and let's say less going out and running five miles or something like that when you're in the off season? Yeah, I'd never just go on a five mile run. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll do interval runs. I'll do um, more time based. So, for example, let's say I try to mimic a 45 minute session. So I'll I'll jog for two minutes and then I'll walk for a minute. I'll jog for two minutes. I'll walk for a minute. I'll do that ten times. So I'm at 30 minutes and then I'll have a steady jog for. 15 minutes just to start to not beat myself up, but still push myself where I am gaining fitness because that last, when you, this is my 10th two minute jog, you're feeling it. You yeah. Know? And, but it's not, it'll creep up on you. It's not this, uh, Oh wow. I just burned myself out and it's only been five minutes, you know, like there is time and place for, if you want to get better at sprinting and being fast, you, you have to practice sprinting and finding ways to grow your muscles so you're, you're faster, right? But, yeah, it's all about just managing your body in that sense and not really beating yourself up. So then when you're at the midway part of the season, you're like, wow, I felt like I've already finished the year because yeah. I didn't take those two months of minding my body. Do you... Uh when you when if you do an interval interval work or something like that, do you go always go outside? Do you use the treadmill? Yeah, I try to I try to be outside. I don't try to run on the treadmill. Um, if it's if the conditions where I'm scared that I might slip, then I won't run, and I'll just find other ways to get a workout inside. But <laughs> whiskey is hysterical. Um, <laughs> Uh, she just jumped up on the uh, <laughs> on the table here. Um, so yeah, yeah. All right, Alex. What about you? I think for me, it's important to get back in the gym as well. Well, not get back in the gym, but back on a different routine. Because um, I think for me, like a lot of your strength and power is built in the off season. Yeah, you have to maintain it throughout the the whole season, but continuing on that foundation and and improving it. I think it's sometimes a little bit harder to do that during the season, especially with the schedule. So I like to get back to my, my lifting. And thankfully for me, strength and conditioning was a part of the degree I did here. Okay. And I've got some really helpful contacts who I can speak to anything strength and condition re- conditioning related. Um, so that that's a big part for me. Again, not trying to get massive, but being able to move efficiently and as as quickly as possible and I always I always feel that benefit at the start of the season because I always feel like I'm sometimes at my fastest throughout well from doing that work in the winter um in terms of touches on the ball I still like to do more just technical stuff like if there's some pick up and I can go and play with some mates that's that's great um if not I'll just do some 
it's funny because when I was a kid, um, I used to go to a um, a place called uh, BSS, Brazilian Soccer Schools in Sunderland. And that was the best training I could ever have as a young kid. It was just small futsal ball, even smaller than a futsal ball, actually, but just thousands of touches every session. Um, and I think that it helps us a lot now, even if I'm just doing little sessions here and there, 30 yeah. minutes on the ball. And I don't mind running as well. I, I'm I'm not someone who I wouldn't go and run 15 miles for the enjoyment because I'd get bored. <laughs> so I, I like doing shorter, sharper stuff. Um, whether that is a five-mile run now and again, I, I'll do it. But I try and just mix it up a little bit to make sure that I'm hitting. Yeah, I've still got that endurance. Um, but I'm also working at an intensity where my fitness is not dropping to the point where you're completely starting again yeah. in preseason. So I, I find that helps me a lot. And just, again, always every single year, Building up in the in the winter, whether that's strength, power, endurance, um, but then making sure as the season goes on, I'm not dropping below that level that I started at. So that requires you to stay in the gym. Yes, your your program changes a little bit, but you're still adding to that. You're never really losing below that baseline. And so every year, I just try and make sure that you keep making that step forward. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'll try to integrate. Touches on the ball, gym, and cardio. So, and gym can have very different looks to it, where it's band work or body weight stuff. It's like Alex said, I'm not trying to go into the gym and just do an arm farm or something. It's, <laughs> which is not wrong with that. Like, uh, to be fair, I go and do a few bicep curls yeah. now and again. But yeah, who, who doesn't though? Like, yeah, some exactly. Steve, but. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's all functional, and you want to do everything that is, has some purpose to it, so that yeah. it can be applied to when when you check back in and when you start competing with other guys to earn a spot again. Yeah. Now, when you guys do go to the gym, or or maybe you do go run like outside or, or whatever, do you listen to music? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you not listen to anything? Yeah, I might be a psycho. I don't listen to anything. Do you know? I I always listen to music. We've we've got our folks. We've got our I think our third psycho. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Especially when I run, I I don't like to escape from the present of I can just tune out that I'm going through hell right now trying to finish this workout, and I can just listen to my music and and forget about it. Uh, I like to embrace that and and just be present with that feeling. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's something where if it's, if I'm in the 90th minute, I don't have, I don't have headphones on and I'm, I'm escaping from what's at hand. Or, so I like to be present in that sense where I try to replicate competition in all levels and all aspects. So I, I don't like really using headphones. I kind of don't want to escape. I want to try to be present for it. Yeah. Yeah, for me, uh, obviously, I enjoy music, and when I'm just running by myself at home, it's not the most enjoyable thing. So, I, I actually listen to there's a genre of music in the northeast of England called Makina. Um, it's like it's massive it's back great. where I'm from, and it's, it's like great. really up tempo. It's just it's pretty mental to be honest. And <laughs> you get a headache after listening. Yeah, you do, but it's just what I grew up listening to, and I just chuck one of those mixes on and. 
I, I don't need music. Like, I'm not to the point where I'm like, oh, I can't go for a run because I don't have my headphones. It's not that. It's just, again, I, I think just the music sometimes help. It maybe helps us along a little bit. Maybe it gets more out of you? Um, I wouldn't say that. I don't think it... I think it can have a, an effect on just rhythm. So for me, a big thing about that music, it helps when I'm running because it's... It just keeps you, you in that know, rhythm you the whole keep time. the tempo to it, which you, you seem to do without thinking. It's a bit of an automatic thing. Um, so, yeah, as much as possible, I'll listen to music. In the gym, sometimes not as much. Like, I don't have to... If I'm focusing more on technique stuff, it's sometimes a little bit easier to do that without 170 BPM music blasting your head off. Well, I'll, I'll actually say that I'm pretty fortunate where in, in my off-season, I have availability to a space through my best friend, Jake Arman. He plays for Tampa Bay Rowdies. And we have this facility in New Jersey in Wall Township where it's this beautiful indoor turf facility where, I mean the the off season months get pretty cold in New Jersey. So yeah. It's a it's a blessing to have this indoor facility and uh when we're getting touches we'll we'll spend hours at this field. Um hours at this field. And uh it's it's great because it's this competitive nature of me and also another pro trying to work on their craft and we'll have we'll have music on our he he has a great uh playlist so we'll chuck that on and we'll just be touching a ball for hours and it, it is good to just have like a way to I don't know enjoy the process a little that much more yeah uh do either of you guys have some soccer superstitions is there anything you, like you have to do maybe on on game day or before practice do you uh like always put your your cleats on the same order or like I do do certain things like I'd have certain routines but I wouldn't say it's superstition. Like, I could do it differently, and it's not really going to affect okay. how, I, how I play. In the past, I've probably let that affect me more. Like, when I was younger, I maybe thought certain things would help me a bit more, but as you sort of get a little bit older and figure things out, it was more, it was adding more stress to everything. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't really have any particular route. Uh, superstitions but more just routines that I normally do and have just done for that long it's just habit really yeah yeah. it's just these routines that you know it's going to get the best out of you so that's what you stick to yeah but as with Alex when I was younger I probably had more of these superstitions that just I started to realize I would stress out over yeah. if I did them or not as opposed to just being focused on matching a high level intensity in the game and it it was just it kind of maybe felt like excuses like oh i i didn't have a good first touch this game because i didn't do whatever superstition i was thinking yeah. at the time as opposed to just being focused on the match and playing a game we all love all right so maybe in the routine category uh do you guys have a favorite pregame meal i'll do chipotle yeah i'll do chipotle just carbs and and some protein and then i'll usually always do a coffee before the game so i'm up until yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> three o'clock in the morning <laughs> i can't sleep yeah 
but that that's probably a routine and if it's not chipotle i can't do chipotle it's not like i'm freaking out like oh i didn't do chipotle today like but that, that's probably your favorite yeah it's probably my go-to yeah i'd say for me it's mainly like the day before because typically on the day of a game i don't normally eat too much i'll still eat enough to where i have energy but I c- for some reason i just can't eat loads i don't really have the appetite to eat a lot um same with like caffeine i i normally don't drink coffee or I maybe have a tea in the morning, but that I, I don't even need that. Sometimes I'll just yeah. I, I'll only have a coffee. Maybe if we've been traveling a bit, and I I can tell I'm a just need like a little bit more just, to wake up. Yeah, a little bit of something. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say Chipotle. Maybe the night before, or on away trips, we normally have Olive Garden, which I think Olive Garden sits in your stomach a bit better than what Chipotle does. But, uh, <laughs> Just the carb load, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too picky. All right, all right. Uh, what about post-game meals? Do you have a, do you have a, I mean, I think it varies a little bit based on the game, but like, yeah. what uh, what's your favorite? Uh, for me, post-game meal, I'd usually just like to replenish in any way I can of just, we lost so much during the game, I, I really don't, have this particular agenda as to what I need to be putting in my body post match. I'll what usually whatever the club provides, and then um, if it usually I'm just still on the adrenaline of the match, I won't be able to eat immediately after they provide the food. So I'll I'll wait maybe an hour or two, start to get hungry, have post game meal that the club provided, and if anything. Maybe have a little cheat meal, whatever that entails being out. So yeah. Now, do you uh, do you have a favorite beer at CFC after or at CBC after a win? That Hill City, the Hill City IPA. Yeah, I fancy that one. I think I'm pretty basic to be honest. I just get faultless lager. <laughs> pretty decent. Um, can't really go wrong with that. Um, sometimes to be fair like straight after they have the the summer shandy yeah so I'd maybe have one of them before because it's a little bit sweeter and for me like and only three percent yeah exactly so yeah you gotta look after the body (laughs) Um, but for me it takes I can't eat straight after a game it it takes us quite a while before I'm hungry again Um, so it just depends I'd I don't really have like a favorite meal after a game, whichever's gonna. It's typically to replenish everything you've lost, like Colin said. So something that's higher in calories is is fine, um, but it, it does normally take us a little while because sometimes if we'll get food after the game, I can't even take it because I know it's just gonna not sit right with me. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably the way. I do it even if it's the next day, making sure I'm still eating something right. before bed. Yeah. But even if it's not a big meal, I'll I'll catch up the day after. Now uh, switching gears a little bit, do you talk trash on the field? Only if someone starts with me, like <laughs> uh, which I think we can all do a little bit better at, and I sometimes lose my temper a little bit, like a lot of people do. Um, probably half the time, people don't have a clue what I'm saying when I'm shouting <laughs> at them. In. <laughs> me, me, non-American uh, yeah. tone. People are like, "What's he talking about?" But <laughs> I think, yeah, but it's normally if it's 
some of the people you have to deal with, it's just, it, it gets to a point where it just gets on your nerves that much. It's, it's hard not to say anything. <laughs> but, yeah. it, it, it's difficult to remain like this laser focus for the full 90 minutes of the match and not allowing, I mean, we get tested every time we, we lace up to try to stay focused on the match at, at hand. And then you'll have guys where on the other team, that their job is to instigate and try to take someone out of their game because they know that they're an important person for the team. And if that person isn't on because of you being able to instigate them, then they're doing their job. So you have to mind that. I try to stay just as focused as I can and not allow someone else to get a rise from me. Um, most of the time, it's me trying to just help help my player on my team if he's getting it with someone, you know. It's and but like at the end of the day, it's like what is, what is this person going to do, you know? So it's like yeah. there's so many cameras on us. There's if if something happens, you get sent off. Like your day's done, and that's that's what I'm kind of insinuating about with or talking about where. People people want to get a rise out of you, and if you go into it knowing like that's all they're trying to do, you kind of dismiss them easier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the thing with football, really, because at the end of the day, like if there's just some people sort of throwing handbags at at the end of a game, and someone gets sent off from that, it's just it's it's really pointless. Yeah. Like it's it's just not worth missing games, and especially in in these well these types of season. Like you can't afford really to miss anything, so if you can avoid losing your head and getting a stupid card, it's only going to help yourself and and the team really. So, although it's just like Colin said, it's almost like yeah, you're talking back and everything, and everyone wants to be like the big man, but yeah. it's just it's really not worth it. And I yeah. think understanding that whether you people are shouting at the referee, like for me personally, it's just. I always feel more comfortable and happier when I'm just getting on with the game instead of letting emotions take over and just shouting for the sake of shouting really when things maybe aren't going your way. So that's a big thing that I've learned, just keeping your your head more. Not that I was ever like a lunatic, but if someone was to say something, it, it could, I'd lose my head a little bit instead of using that maybe as more incentive to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, let's do some non-soccer questions to kind of wrap out, uh, wrap up our time here. Uh, do, do either of you guys have any hidden how any hidden talents? So, so yours, yours on the, on the kind of DJing. Yeah. I'd probably say the DJing's one. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Hidden talents. Um, uh, Like a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nothing really that I don't know. Maybe some I'm trying to think if I've seen it, seen yeah, you do anything. I don't know. Um, I'm sure you've got something. Maybe it's not coming to my. Head, <laughs> but if nothing's coming, nothing's coming to your roommate either. Then yeah. you know, maybe nothing it checks out. Nothing, nothing <laughs> too crazy. Uh, what do you guys like to do in your free time? <clears throat> I like to. Pl- I try to play golf. I try to play golf. Try to go to the range. Um, We've been fortunate to get, be able to get onto the links a few times during throughout the season, and uh, 
it's just great to stay active. It's such a challenging game in a sense too. So it's very humbling. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so it's, it, I, I always love competing and it's another way to do that with, that's less taxing. And, um, yeah, so I like to try to either go the range or play nine, play around. And do you have a course that you prefer? Signal Mountain Country Club. Yeah, great, great links. Yeah, same for me. We a few of us play golf together now and again. Um, so I enjoy doing that. Any type of sport. Um, also, my music stuff as well. I like spending time. Colin probably knows. Like I, I don't sit in my room all the time, but I, I do like a little bit of free time as well, and yeah. just doing things that maybe it's not always in a social environment. Which I, I think sometimes when you're in that team environment all the time, you need a bit of time away. Of course. Um, yeah, so that I think that helps me a lot. So that's definitely a bit of golf and music stuff. Now, uh, what's your favorite non-soccer sport to like watch on TV? For me, I, I, I like cricket. I think it helps because I, I watch a lot of the highlights. Yeah. Obviously, some people know that there's different formats of cricket, so some of it can be pretty long. So the highlights always help condense it a little bit. Um, but yeah, for me, it's cricket. I'd have to say the NFL. Um, me and my buddies, we stay connected by doing Fantasy League. And yeah. Doing Sunday Red Zone is, is brilliant. So... Um, and me and my brother, we have season tickets for the New York Giants. Okay, and, I was uh, about to ask if you had a... Uh, yeah, so the Giants are, are my team growing up, and they've been in my family for years. So me and my brother and I continue in that, that uh, those tickets, and it's been cool. So, um, yeah, I'd have to say definitely watching NFL and staying the new guys that come into the league, trying to find different players you can add to your roster. Yeah. I'm all about the fantasy football. Uh, do either of you guys have anything you're watching on, on TV right now or like on Netflix or, or one of those streaming things? I know that uh, Colin just finished Peaky Blinders. Brilliant, um, Brilliant television. Yeah, that, so I, that's something I told him about. And I think he'd obviously heard about it before, but I'm pleased that yeah. he watched it and enjoyed <laughs> it. Yeah, and we were able to chop it up and have some conversation about Thomas Shelby. and <laughs> So it, it's cool in that sense. But right now I'm watching uh, F1. Formula One series, um, and I'm just so amazed by that competitiveness and just how posh and everything yeah. about F1. And have you ever watched like, have you like watched races before, or well, is this your kind of your gateway into? Yeah, this, is, this has been my gateway into it. Um, I went to a NASCAR event in. Uh, I went to Talladega when I was living in Greenville. Me and my roommate at the time, we we made the trip and watched the Yellowwood 500. Ricky so, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. So it was cool seeing that. So I guess that was my true inter introduction to it. But it F1 and NASCAR are just apple and oranges. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just totally two different things. I, I never was a NASCAR NASCAR guy growing up. Uh, and, and, like, and I did track and field. So like I get the... The idea of you know going around in a circle a lot, turning left, but like it's not. F one's just different. It's, it's so and just not just the like the teams and the engineering of all that, but just these beautiful places around the world like Monaco and Abu Dhabi and all these yeah. just beautiful places that 
like I said, it's just so posh and it's cool to see it through this series and with Netflix. Like the funny thing is I've been to an F1 race and NASCAR races and I think, yeah, the biggest difference with F1 is obviously how the tracks change and yeah. which makes a, the races completely different. Um, so for me, like the Formula One, just I actually went to the British Grand Prix, which is at Silverstone, mm-hmm. and like how small the cars are, but how quickly they come around the corners is just I've seen nothing like it. But on the other hand, I get why people would say NASCAR is boring, especially if you're watching watching it on TV because it, they're just going around in a circle. Yeah, but yeah. being there, I honestly, I think I preferred the NASCAR just because when I went to Charlotte, um, it was me and my mate from England who went. And I've been a couple of times since, but just how close they are and how quick they're going constantly yeah. is unbelievable. Like, were you were you in the stands or like the infield? We were in the stands, okay. but we were right close to the track. Okay. Which... Like getting like getting yeah, some dirt. so mm. you're getting... And we couldn't believe it. Like <laughs> everyone was walking in with these massive headphones and stuff like that. We'd be like, no, we'll, we'll be fine, man. I did, <laughs> just like overhyped. And then we're sitting at the front, like hands in our ears, halfway through a 600 lap race, thinking, what are we doing here? Just ears are going <laughs> to fall. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, um, both unbelievable. That's so. awesome. Uh, do you guys have a favorite restaurant in Chattanooga? Uh, clean Eats. <laughs> clean needs, yeah. Okay, let's, let's, let's clean get needs. that. Let's get that in there. <laughs> yeah. Clean needs. Yeah, what is what is clean needs? It's like a meal prep place. Uh, it's just out, a little bit out of the city, but it's pretty much they do a meal plan every single week, and you can choose which meals you want per week. And there's they have big freezers of it's not, it's not like ready meals that you get from the supermarket. It's stuff that's made fresh at the place and just put in the big freezer so you can just go home and and heat it up later so for us it's it's been great because it's reasonably healthy and um they they do look after us there yeah they do um Very but much so. outside of that i'd probably we used to go to city cafe <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah. City cafe, oh city yeah cafe. But definitely I like Yellow too. Deli as well. Okay. That's that's pretty cool. That is a cool place. Yeah, so that's probably up there for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah City uh, City Cafe and Clean Eats for sure for me. That's fantastic. I was not expecting that. It makes <laughs> it even better. Uh, when you when you want to like just chill, you want to get away from, maybe get away from some teammates or, or from, from whatever, do you have a spot in town you like to go to as opposed to like just being in your room, kind of having alone time? This is probably another shout out to a sponsor, I think. Like, uh, oh, oh, being uh, caffeinated. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if they sponsor, but I know they have a um, yeah. partnership. Yeah. Being caffeinated is always nice to go to. They've got the good um, like tent out the back, the sort of a tent yeah, that you can sit true. in and just do a little bit. So I go there now and again. Um, I'll probably just take up a drive to um, Lookout Mountain. Yeah. Um, Look at the Blue Ridge and like go go a little hiking, yeah, a little something. I, um, I mean, with what we do throughout the week, it's pretty taxing. So I'm not doing much of a hike. Uh, I do like to get a view though. So because for me, growing up in Jersey, my escape was just going to the beach and looking at the water and yeah, having some clarity that way. But being in Tennessee here in Chattanooga, finding myself having that same type of feeling of 
um, just of, of an escape and feeling humbled a little bit of just um, something bigger, something massive, like the, the mountains that we see and similar to like how it would be with me looking at the ocean. All right. Yeah. Uh, second to last question. If a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? <laughs> I don't I don't need a doppelganger or anything like that, but like who would you want to play you? As an actor, I, I really like Tom Hanks. He's probably my favorite actor, but I'd probably maybe someone like Tom Cruise because he's pretty cool, isn't he? <laughs> a little bit more star power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. it's probably about the same height as well. <laughs> I'd say... I don't know. You asked me that, I immediately think of Leo DiCaprio because he's the man. Um, or like a, uh, a McConaughey or something. Yeah. that's a, Those are those are good ones right there. <laughs> um, if people want to find you on social media, how would they go about doing that? Uh, putting my name in. in, the, in the, do, you, do you remember your handles? Uh, I believe it's just my name, Colin Stripling. Yeah, same for me. Most of mine are all the same, uh, in the same format. It's just my name, Alex McGrath, but with the, the letter H in the middle. Uh, is that for your middle name? Yeah, it's my middle name. What is your middle name? My middle name's Halliday. Not Holiday, Halliday. That's awesome. So it's actually <laughs> my, it's a family name. It's a, it's a okay. last name, Yeah, but it's that's my middle name. Okay. So, um, yeah, Alex H. McGrath. Sometimes when I say H, people are like, what? <laughs> so the letter H. Yeah, I don't know if you say it differently here. I think H. H H H. Yeah. H. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll put their we'll we'll put their handles written out in the show notes for you to find. Uh, you can find the podcast on uh, Twitter at section one hundred nine pod. You can find the podcast on Instagram at the section one hundred nine podcast. You can find me on Twitter at whiskey is fine, and you can find me on Instagram at I am Caniglio. Thanks so much for listening, and boys, thank you for being here. Thank you. No problems. Yeah.